Welcome back to Path to Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. This episode was made possible by our patrons, so thank you to everyone who supports us. If you are interested in supporting the podcast monetarily, please check us out at patreon.com slash pathtoglory. If that's not possible, we still appreciate the listens and the ratings. This is your host, Amon Kusro, and as always, I'm joined by my, I guess, rival co-host, Jonathan Davis. Hello, hello. How's it going? Good. Busy with work. Um... Had some time to play some Rivals games, and uh, that's about it. Just Good. taking in all of the all the stuff. <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff to take in, but I'm glad you're playing some Rivals games, because it's going to help with the theme of the episode today. But we are also joined by a good friend of the show, someone we really enjoy hanging out with in person and online, uh, one of the hosts from another podcast, Jason Murray. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a, it's been a while. Um, but yeah, don't worry about forgetting the name of the podcast. Cause I think I forgot we haven't recorded in eight months, but that's all right. Well, yeah, I is mean, everybody's you know. still doing good. Yeah, everyone, everyone's good. Um, you know, part of our podcast is about, you know, balancing life and games. And as for a lot of people, life got crazy. I will say the games have picked up, which is why I am here to talk about um, that. But the podcasting has not picked back up, but glad the games have. Well, it might, right? It, well, so you guys have been yes. playing games now, hanging out. Yes. Jared and I have talked about um, recording an episode for the new season. So That's you never awesome. know when. And uh, Trey, he's still painting. I see his stuff on Facebook all the time. Yeah. I, he Trace is definitely still the painter of the group. He, he, uh, he puts us all to shame, uh, his dedication. He does bounce around a lot. So, you get all the the games workshop stuff, whether it's Age of Sigmar, Forty K, or Underworlds, um, but he he grinds it out. Yeah, that's awesome. I started painting some creeks. I guess we'll just jump into before we jump into what we've been doing. Um, I think it might be a good idea to tell everyone what we're talking about in this episode. Um, so, in this episode, we'll be covering um, the recent FAQ, far and designers commentary dropped by Games Workshop. Um, we're going to talk about the rivals format and, uh, some of the pros and cons associated with it and what we believe to be kind of like the early days meta for the championship format for, uh, you know, Harrow deep. Um, but before we get into that, I guess, yeah, what we've been up to lately. So Jason sounds like you've been playing some games, hanging out with the community. Yeah. Just trying to, you know, coming out of COVID, um, Still feel like I feel like we've been saying that for six months a year, but trying to get the 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 meta in the local Raleigh area picked back up. So hosting a lot of rivals events, a lot of events at the the current the local GW store, um, just trying to build that player base back up. I mean, as all the listeners are aware, we got a dump of product in a short amount of span of time, and uh, you know just trying to get everybody to get out there, get active again, playing playing in person. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And you guys, you have some pretty heavy hitters in your in your area too. You know, you've got the Battle Mallet guys. I think Jimmy's out there too. Yeah, we don't. Jimmy, Jimmy's there. He's there. He he leads the way. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, it's uh yeah. There's I would say there's about ten to twelve active players um in in the local community. Um, Hussman is just a short drive down down mm. ninety five. So if we yeah. have events, he'll come up or we'll go down. Uh, and then there's a bunch of the Virginia guys that go to Nova 
they'll also come down as well if we have events. So it's it's a very good community. That's awesome. Yeah, Husman, one of our patrons. Shout out to him and his son. Um, they're always fun to engage with. Jonathan, you said you've been kind of busy, but playing some games, Rivals games. Yeah, locally, um, the last couple of weeks, ever since I got the preview copy, we've been playing different stuff. Um, so, you know, either with the new stuff or <clears throat> with the Rivals decks. Um, I've, I've been enjoying it quite a bit, actually. Um, for, for one, I don't have to build the deck. <laughs> and then <laughs> for two, like, it's actually really interesting to have... Uh, have to figure out how to use some of these cards. So yeah, I've been having a That's good awesome. Time. The fish are really good too. <laughs> yeah. I think we said that in, in, in our review, everyone was like, Oh my God, I aren't good, but uh, fake news. Yeah. Fake. There Maybe. you go. Fake <laughs> news. Um, yeah. And just for me, like, you know, we were talking about painting earlier. I've um, started painting like my death core of Krieg from the, uh, octarius box set i like started airbrushing but then you know um when i'm at my girlfriend's apartment can't really airbrush in her apartment um (laughs) so kind of just struggling a little bit to finish that project but uh i just got the chalnath kill team box set as a preview copy so i'll be doing a review on that but i'm excited to play some tau um i know a lot of people hate on the tau yes but uh i think they're kind of cool and the new kit is pretty sick. Yeah, I, I've never jumped. I I've jumped into Kill Team, but I've yet to play it. Um, yeah. But the first time through Kill Team, I bought all this Tau stuff that I've yet to play. So excited mm. to get pick that up as well. And if you don't have the airbrush, man, bust out the contrasts. <laughs> so, I, you know, this might be controversial, but I don't like contrast for base coating. I think it's it's a better tool for um like, like glazing. Glaze. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, like I've, I've, I've messed around with the reds a lot. Like, um, like I was painting up daredevil for MCP and, uh, I think that was like a really nice base to work off of, but I just, even if you do it section by section, like a lot of people talk about on YouTube, like I just feel like it's a little patchy. Yes. Um, yeah. So. I, you know, you mentioned MCP, like I do not like painting. Painting is not my my forte i like playing the games not painting but mcp painting mcp with contrast really got me into painting because i established this it's good and it's done but it's not perfect where i feel like when i paint gw i want everything to be perfect right it's just monotonous at times yeah i one of the experiences i've had over the course of covid has just been like accepting when something is good enough when i paint Cause like you, you see like these heavy metal paint jobs, you see these wonderful artists, um, on Instagram and Facebook. And you're thinking like, man, why can't my stuff look like that? And the crazy thing is, is like, there's no point in comparing yourself to anyone else, right? Like your art is your art. And so a lot of times I'll just be like, you know what? This is like, this has like six, seven different colors on it. You know, there's been, it's been shaded. It's been highlighted. Let's just move on. Um, and we can revisit it later but at least get through the damn project, which is my problem. It's not finishing projects. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Anyways, awesome. uh, well, enough of this there inspirational <laughs> paint talk. <laughs> um, let's talk about community shout outs, Jonathan, who you got going on. Um, yeah. The one I wanted to talk about was tabletop. Sydney is doing a, like a rivals uh, tournament basically between their different players and stuff. They're each like picking, I guess, a number of different ones and then playing 
them against each other in like a like a ladder sort of situation. Um, and last I checked, the fish I think are winning. So yes, <laughs> all bow down to the so crab. They get, they get my shout out. Shout out in, in general. I think those uh, they're probably the most consistent when it comes to battle reports right now. So yeah, um, it's cool. I'm just surprised by the sheer amount of content they can like rip out. Um, yeah. So kudos to them as just as admiration from a content standpoint as well as. <laughs> you know, the, the cool rivals event they're running. That's, that's fun. Jason, what about you? You got any community shout outs? I mean, there, there's a lot of local stuff going on, but you know, I'm, I'm excited that Max and Randall from battle for salvation are caught up in the current season. And I can't wait to hear the song that Max comes out with for, for the, for the next, uh, Harrow deeper war, the next war band. It should be just great. <laughs> Yes, I, I've you know I've come to really enjoy the songs. I really think some of them are really long, though. Yes, like it went from like a 15, 20 second jingle to like my man is bellowing on the mic for like two minutes and forty five seconds. Yeah, he and so the, good for him. The jingles are are fantastic. The the you know the long um, ballads they can grow. It can grow very long. Yeah. After gonna, a while, I just clicked the 15 second <laughs> skip because I'm just like, I got it, Max. You, 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 you're a creative guy. <laughs> they're going to hear this in their next episode. It's just going to be like an hour long CD. Yeah. It's going to cover, cover Freebird. I feel like you can do a lot with like the Storm Rider because, like, you know, riding on the storm maybe. Oh, yeah. And then, and then like with Cruel, I feel like that word is in a lot of places. So. Max should have his hands full. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a good shout out. Uh, My shout out is also um, another friendly podcast. uh, What the Hex with Phil and Davey. Um, Just really enjoy listening to them. And I think they've kind of done like a swap now where like Phil kind of takes the lead on the episodes. Um, And just as you just really enjoyed, you know, having him like come in his own and, um, you know, create this really cool podcast personality. I really enjoyed listening to them. And uh, yeah, they're like my go to outside of this podcast. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I, I don't actually listen to this one. So, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll only sometimes listen to some of these just to like, make sure like the editing and the voice sounds fine. Um, but also like if there's no other content or I'm, or I'm caught up on everyone else's, then I will listen to ours. Cause I'm that starved for content. Aww. Oh, I, yeah. I, I just like to listen to the production value of this and the end phase, like, you know, being, being, having access to both. I like to, to see the content between them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that plug. And yeah, the, the end phase, we get a lot less formal. We're very informal. Um, you know, drop a couple F bombs here and there. You'll like hear me say it and be like, Oh crap. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh wait, this isn't going online. It doesn't matter. Um, so it'll be, it's fun. Yeah, thanks for shouting that out. You, yeah, you're a patron. That's right. I appreciate yeah. that. Got to feed that. Jonathan somehow. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. <clears throat> okay, well, good. Glad we got that uh, taken care of. So, um, Games Workshop, I guess, over the course of the Harrowdeep launch weekend, released an updated FAQ, um, far list, and a designer's commentary. Or I guess the FAQ and designers commentary are one and the same, maybe, but three different documents that all kind of sound the same. And um, there were some mixed reactions. So um, I guess, Jonathan, if you've got it pulled up, if you want to just kind of 
talk about, I guess pick a document and let's start talking about it and then we'll kind of <laughs> shuffle around. I mean, there's three of them. Yeah. So. Um, so I think the first thing that caught my eye um, was in the championship format rules. Um, they've f- added the rules for the, or the switch off the boards uh, in a best of three. Um, so I think that is probably the biggest change. I mean, that's, that is a change to championship. Um, and I think it's a really good one. So I know people have been asking for that for years. Yeah. What do you think, Jason? <laughs> I am the vast majority or minority. <laughs> my, like, my, like, so, I mean, yes, I will say in my local group, everyone has been that, that change has been well received, but I like RNG. I like randomness. Um, and I'm also really afraid if I win that first board roll off, not knowing what you're playing, that I'm going to make a bad decision and then I'm just, I'm toast. So I like the randomness of the, the way it was, but everyone that I've played with loves that change. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. I really like it. I guess to your point, like if you win the first game and lose the second game, hypothetically, right? Since you're unaware, you do leave it to RNG to see who wins that third roll off, right? You got it. Yep. Yeah. Um, I really like it though. I just think that there are a lot of games that I've played where it's like, oh, I lost boards twice and you have three objectives and it's like, I have to try to kill you or, you know, whatever, or um, you've max offset me with the Amber Trap board and a Molten Shark Pit. <laughs> and like, what am I supposed to do, you know? So, yeah. And it, not only the the one board per match, but also that this alternating, I think is a good change personally, but I can see your point of view where like the not elitist, but like the purest within you is like, no, it must be <laughs> the <Yeah>. same. <laughs> I, and I get that. It just comes out. I don't want to make a mistake, right? Like it puts more pressure on me to be, to make that right choice. And 90% of the time you're going to choose correctly, depending on your matchup. But that 10% of the time you're just going to like, I, I thought they were aggro and they're playing passive and now I'm done. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it just forces you to, I guess, adapt. And, and over time, hopefully we all become better players as well. So, yeah, that is interesting. Um, one thing that I thought was really cool was that they specifically mentions the alliance format in the FAQ, which I thought was or the championship format rules, which is pretty cool. Um, it just says, you know, it's a variant of championship, but all the rules here stand um and then it just mentions the specific alliance format where each power and objective card may only be chosen once and there can be no duplicates i just like how it's on the same page there's no really confusion all the rules are here and uh yeah i really enjoy that yeah i agree i think uh to jason's point it does it is definitely bad if you win the roll off and then you lose that game (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then and then they win the roll off and then maybe they win again and and you're just done but yeah <clears throat> but in um, theory that would happen like 50% of the time right yeah. or or like yeah. maybe like less like in between 50 and 25 cuz whoever wins the roll off then doesn't matter i guess one one person wins or ever so um, and i think the board positioning is the least important that it's ever been with the mm-hmm. changes to the way the boards are set up and how the objectives have to be placed yeah, the, yeah. The, the objective change has balanced the game in that way. So really, most of the time, I think you're going to see where people are going to take board placement 
over objectives just because objectives are pushed to the center more now. So yeah. in the end, like I said, everyone, everyone loves it. I just am different. <laughs> Fair enough. My, yeah. Um, <clears throat> do we want to talk about the changes to the forsaken and restricted cards? <laughs> yeah, Jason, go ahead, man. I mean, <laughs> it's one of my favorite things of the whole document is that cover ground is now in the essentials pack, right? Like <laughs> that, like I just get to take that card and change, change where it was. I, it definitely, you know, that's one topic that I've seen talked about a lot is just, there are two, I guess you t- typos or misprints through the document where there are two cards that are on that, but are now rotated out of the, the game. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. Cover Ground and Mischievous Spirits are both listed as essential cards, but they were in the gift pack and have technically rotated. Um, so I guess, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Big typo there. One thing also is Daylight Robbery disappeared off the, yep. the, the list. Because it so. was in the gift pack, but then it came back in the Essentials. Essentials pack, yeah. So now yeah, it's at one point we had like three copies of that card. Yeah. 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 Funny stuff. Um Aside from that, nothing else was added. Um, so for me personally, when I'm building decks, like half the time I, I don't even take the three because like I don't need mm-hmm. some of these cards for my decks. But the other time where I want restricted cards, like if I'm playing like Hrothgorn, for example, like this doesn't really feel like there's much of a list. So I'll always get kind of the cards I want um, because there's not much. There are not very many. Rest- there, there aren't enough cards on the list to where it feels like I'm making a meaningful choice most of the time yeah this is really less of a update to the list and just it seems like trying to take all the old stuff off <laughs> yeah so yeah what are your thoughts on a beginning of a season should the restricted list be larger i mean because you you have a very valid point if i'm playing man trapper I'm not making any choices. I'm literally taking the three restricted that are on his faction cards and building around that. So should the restricted list be larger? Cause there's not a huge card pool to start a season. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, so I think the last time there was like a massive rotation, the far list went from five to three and that felt super meaningful because um, we kind of fundamentally changed the way we deck build in a way. Um, and we had to make more specific choices. Um, when it comes to like this stuff over here, like the last time the far list was updated, like if you look at the cards, I don't think it includes anything like Crimson Court, Mad Mob onwards. Um, and I feel like there are a lot of really good cards in the last four sets of the of the season. And Arena Mortis 2 has some pretty bonker ones in some scenarios. Um, but like the far list is designed, uh, I guess, to hit cards that are either taken too much or they're just too strong and in this case like i think there were plenty of candidates that could be there so to answer your question yeah i I do believe the list of cards on here should have been increased i'm not saying like doubled but maybe like five or six meaningful choices um you know like even so for warbands like there are some cards that uh work really well for you know rippers for example that in their faction deck that maybe could have been hit uh, because of the way the new mechanics are interacting with the warband and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that Good makes sense. Though. I think for me, if there's going to be a restricted list at any point, then it would, it makes sense that there'd be meaningful choices. Um, otherwise like it, 
there's not really any point. Um, and I think in most situations, um, there's usually cards that can be put on there if there hasn't been an update in a while. So, yeah, I mean, like, look at Thorns of the Bar Queen, right? Like, you can take the <laughs> appearance, Howling Vortex, and Treacherous Foe, right? And it's not like you really want the other stuff on the list anyway. So, no, sure don't. Yeah, yeah. Even Lady Harrows, oof. Grimwatch, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, so I think it just to answer your question even further, Jason. I think um, it also just helps check the really strong warbands who already have faction cards on this list, uh, because having to pick between like maybe an everything to prove or a one will could be an important choice for Lady Harrow's Mournflight. You know, not to say that you know everything to prove will get restricted. It's just a really good card yeah. that's everywhere. Um, I would restrict it personally. Um, but now it's just like, oh, I can take all the, the good stuff and then my faction stuff that should be locked behind like a decision wall. You know, yeah. I digress, but yeah. Okay. Well, um, so that's the championship format rules. Um, there is an errata document. So let's jump to that one. Um, this one's really cool. Uh, they do kind of give some of the fighters traits, right? So like beast mm-hmm. and flying, and then they kind of put all the grand alliances in order. Cause I know some people who may not necessarily be familiar with the lore like max. Um, this is a great uh, tool for them. So what do you guys think about this stuff here? I also love the chaos keywords. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool that they went back to some of the older war bands and they're giving them the keywords. Um, I think people, would have liked that, you know, a couple of years ago with uh, Hunter and Warry and things like that. But uh, it is nice to have beasts and flying and things like that. So couldn't agree more. Like to have a small update to the older factions just to give, you know, beast or flying. I, I think they could have went a step further and included some of the newer keywords that came out in this season as well. But yeah. it's great to update those warbands because we've never seen that have been happened before so yeah it's a really good point i'd love to see some of those new keywords as well like assassin yeah yeah some brawlers stuff like that just assassin like, <laughs> just like the way you say assassin it's amazing. yeah i do love the chaos keywords i think we've seen in some of the grand alliance chaos cards where it's like you can do this but if you're zinch you can also do this which i think is really neat i really do hope they lean into that more um and release some more mono god Warbands. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really neat. The biggest thing I think that we've seen here is like actually a couple big highlights, and it's it's not a too big of a page, but uh, the Drepper's Wraith Creepers have a very strong <laughs> inspiration. <laughs> yeah, putting, and, it, um, putting it nicely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of busted. And so I uh, really appreciate Applaud Games Workshop for attempting to limit the power of the inspiration. Though um, there seems to be an issue. Uh, so the patrician can move one fellow friendly fighter when he's uninspired and then two when he's inspired. Um, the challenge is that like they have eroded the uninspired section to say, choose one or two friendly fighters in your territory and then push that fighter one hex towards the nearest fighter. So this fundamentally changes the way the warband could potentially be, have been intended to play. But the funny thing about that is if you look at other languages for this inspiration, they all say one fighter. The English 
document is the only one that says one or two friendly fighters. So now we're all confused. Because like <laughs> technically in like the games workshop rules, like the English rulings are usually the the like the go-to. Um, because like translation mistakes can happen. But I doubt that every single translator made a mistake on this one <laughs> sentence. So uh, like, what do you guys think about that? Well, the second part of it says push that fighter one hex towards the nearest enemy fighter. So like the the, the two sentences together don't even really make sense. So yeah, when you I think go it's to safe to assume. Yeah, when you go to the inspired size, it says push each, right? So mm. if they were the same, they'd be written the same. Yeah, I think most people agree it's one. And that means that the main change is that uh, it now has to be someone in your territory, which is a pretty significant nerf to uh, the way that, you know, they, they were working before. Yes. Yeah, it's a good point. So we're all confused. Long story short. <laughs> and uh, technically, there's no official consensus on how to go about it. So people are kind of playing it however they want to. So, if you are playing this warband, just agree upon a mutual rule before the game starts, just to avoid confusion, um, or just don't play them until they get fixed, because <laughs> they're not fun to play against, anyways. Um, moving along, looks like the Kagra's Ravagers inspiration condition has been confirmed to be permanent. It's no longer a beta rule. What do you guys think about that one, Jason? Let's start with you. I like it. I mean, especially with the the Gloom Hex addition they need all the help that they can get i played ravagers a lot at the end of last season um so i'm all for it they're a fun warband they just need a little help getting inspired yeah what about you jonathan yeah i think it's an improvement um i don't know i think we've talked about it before i'm not sure if it's you know enough to make them relevant um i think gloom makes everything they're trying to do way harder as well um but uh, I don't know if I have a better <laughs> a better suggestion. So right. give a, make it a little easier and, and move on, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess one, one way that a lot of people have mentioned is like, oh, I wish they could hold objectives. So, because yeah. like technically the Descart mechanic doesn't allow them to for some of their fighters. But that could be a conversation for another day. Um, yeah, and they can hold feature tokens. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe we'll get more of that. Hold gloom strategy. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, but I, <laughs> they're needed. They're a fun warband, so hopefully it all works. Yeah. I just wish Kagra was no, not Kagra. Zarchia was four wounds. That would have been. That would have been it. She's like the in the games that I've played with them. Once again, I haven't played them in Harrow Deep, but you go against a horde warband. If she becomes inspired, she's she's money. So yeah. She never hits for me, actually, ironically. <laughs> She's the most accurate, aside from an inspired, uh, what's her name? Fecula? Fecula, yeah. I don't know. Crazy. Um, but she always just kills herself. <laughs> Ridiculous, honestly. But she never does it when I have the card that says take to glory for damaging yourself with the, you know, whatever it's called, backlash. Backlash, yeah. Okay, well, uh, moving on on this list, it looks like Thorns of the Briar Queen get hit again, <laughs> which I'm not complaining. I know Tommy is, though. Um, this says, change of Arclef's action on both sides of his, his fighter card to say, action, push all friendly chainer ass up to two hexes towards the nearest enemy fighter. This fighter can only make this action once per round. Well, 
Yeah, sure. Good. Why not? <laughs> Good. I, they've had their time in the sun, right? It's it's definitely one of the most powerful actions in the game. I'm glad that they continue to try to dial it in to keep them in line. Yeah. All we need to do is give him a charge token next. And yeah. I'll be happy. Let, let Tommy just, re- win. just remove him from the board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> push push everything once and then Barclav's dead. <laughs> let, let Tommy break it again and then we'll 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 hope for another change. So Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Um this and one is gonna hurt. they've nerfed Godsworn Hunt. <laughs> yes. They nerfed the Godsworn Hunt. This is gonna upset the other Tom, Tom Bond. Um mm-hmm. Which actually, I don't even know if he's playing right now, but uh, he's out there saving lives because he's a doctor, so that makes sense. Um, what do you guys think about this? So, I, I guess when Illusion was first previewed, everyone was like, "Yes, God Sworn," um, and then this errata comes out like the day of the release that says, "Other than Illusion upgrade for their Inspire." Um, yeah. You think it was needed? I, I do. I so I I am a God Sworn player at heart right i took them to nova a couple years back um i remember that and uh they weren't great then but i you know i think they got have gotten better as the game has gone more aggro like i'm they're never going to be great because they are glass you know glass cannon but illusion you know getting a fighter to three damage let alone two fighters to three damage or one to five move for really nothing like right like you're just playing a power card and then you can complement that with better gambits. Like it definitely, I think, kept them in check before they they spun out of control. But it would have been really nice to have a couple months for them to live and and be like, oh, you're playing Godsworn. Here comes that, you know, here comes Grundin running down the path. He's gonna get me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I felt like they could have let it slide for a month, you know? Just let have like a, a Godsworn renaissance and then nerf it later but they never they never got to fly their wings were clipped before they were even you know in the sky so oh, i'm still playing them that's we're gonna see you're gonna all see it here it comes at nova 2022 <laughs> yeah yep. <laughs> um the last change here is uh bitter memories no longer has the word reaction which makes sense um i think we all knew that was coming but this is like for beast grave arena mortis not arena mortis 2 so I think this is just like housekeeping for Relic. Um, but hey, I'm glad they're keeping up with Relic. Um, someone's got to. <laughs> <Ba-dum-tsh>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the last one, I think, is the designer's commentary. Um, Jonathan, yep. I commonly refer to you as our rules expert. So why don't you <laughs> kind of highlight the changes here? Um, there's like... Four pages on how primacy works. Um, mm. In general, it's it's nice. It's uh, it seems pretty clear to me. I don't think it's worth going over. But if you were wondering how primacy works, you can spend a couple minutes reading that. Couple um, minutes. <laughs> it's, it's it's really great. Like it, it it really it is asking almost every question you can have. Um, so it's very clear. Um. In general, I think the only thing that maybe we weren't sure about is, like, I think most people assumed that that's how it worked with the timing of when you gain the primacy and things. But 
um, they do a good job like showing, you know, spelling it all out. So, but I don't think it really changes that much in how we were playing, if that makes sense. Hmm. That makes sense. Makes sense. Um, one thing that uh, stood out to me was they gave thorns the flying keyword in uh, the other document, but then there was like a specific question in here that says like, do thorns of the briar queen suffer damage from lethal hexes? And then it just says, or do the fighters and thorns of the briar queen always treat lethal hexes, normal hexes? And then it goes, yes. Yeah. Cause so. they didn't lose their current rules. They just gained the flying keyword. Yeah. But like right. the flying keyword completely count like contradicts their mm. ability. So they, unless, unless that was the, in, they just give, Hmm. Yeah. Well, I assumed maybe that's my bad. I assumed that it just meant that they are flying now, like kind of like how dreppers don't can take damage from lethal. That was, I don't know, Jason, maybe you mean, maybe, did you see it that way too? I, well, yeah, I'm with you. So like they gave them the fly keyword. So it seemed like they wanted to bring all the ghosts in line to have where they can, you know, be damaged by lethal lethals if they're pushed into it, but they can still move across them with no penalty. But then the FAQ says, no, they, they don't. So it is like they got two like special keywords, right? Like they have flying and then, Oh, you can ignore the other part of flying. So maybe that's intended, but I'm pretty sure that that lethal hex comment was old. It isn't, is it not? Or is that a new update to the document? No, that's an old one. Yeah. So it's almost, I would have hoped they removed it, but they never did. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, we get a bunch of uh, updates for like... Actually, so, actually, I guess I could be wrong because this says in each case, the trait replaces a similar ability. Well, there you go. So maybe we don't even need this sentence to be removed. Well, I would think we do, but maybe it's just replacing the part of their rule that is similar to flying and they still get the lethal immunity. I'm, I'm not really sure. Yeah, for a future F. FAQ, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Aside from that, bunch of updates to some of the newer warbands. So we get some clarifications with Elephant and Soul Raid, um, the Crimson Court, the Mad Mob, the Stalkers, the Ravagers. Um, another further nerf. Does flipping an objective with cards like Symbiote's Call count towards... Well, that's kind of fair. It shouldn't count towards the inspiration. Just you hate to see it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, good clarifications over around. Um, I think we all really appreciated the addition of this document. Uh, we hadn't received an update in almost a year. So um, they did kind of hit everything that we had questions about in Dire Chasm. But unfortunately, or fortunately rather, Harrow Deep has led to significantly many more questions. So we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, the I think the... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, the only, the only other curious thing on there was the the blue horror and the fish, like they begin the game out of action. Yes. Even though the card says they're not out of action. That was the only, mm. I don't know the, I don't know the rules interaction as to why that would have been clarified. And that just might be me not knowing those war bands well enough, but thought it was a little, a little confusing. I don't think it really changes anything, but why do they, why are they considered out of action? Yeah, I'm not Good sure. Good question. I did see something here, actually just scrolling through it, that I didn't notice the first time. 
But this kind of talks about profiteers, which we love on this podcast. And um, <laughs> back in the day, it used, you know, when a toxic gas is played and you choose a fighter that cannot be pushed, what happens? Um, it used to say, like, nothing happens if your opponent chooses the push, you know, because then your fighter can't be pushed. But now it says the chosen fighter is dealt one damage and it's in magenta. So that's kind of exciting because, like, I tried doing it on a Stalag Squick once and, like, uh, it was during the um, the American Team Championship. We were in the final against the Wheaties Box Rejects. And Duncan was like, no, you can't can't damage my <laughs> slag switch. And I was like, yeah, I can. And he was like, no, I can't be pushed. And, and then they ruled it that he was right. But now they ruled it that he was wrong. So looks like I win the long game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, just, I think that makes cool sense. I think they're... It seems like they're moving more towards having to complete everything on the card. And so if you can't complete one th- one choice, you have to go to that other choice. Yeah. So I think I like that. Yeah. Here's a curious one. If seized weapon takes the enemy fighter out of action in the end phase, can objectives such as defending the hurt be scored if they're in hand? And the answer is no. I would assume that it would have worked differently. Well, the interesting thing is that in the new rules, there's a different between scoring an objective and meeting the condition and mm. declaring that you will score it basically. So this answer, and there's a similar situation with one will, I think the Harrow's card where you can meet the condition. So I think rules as written right now. I, I think you actually would say, Hey, I'm going to score this and you wouldn't draw and you wouldn't get the glory until the next surge step. But I'm not sure if that's the intention with this ruling. Um, but, I mean, to me, the way it's written, you still get to show it. But that makes sure. sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, um, that's kind of it for covering those three documents. If you haven't seen <laughs> them, but I'm sure everyone has. Um, we just kind of wanted to chit-chat about it. Any closing comments on those before we jump into Rivals and Championship Meta? Uh, my only closing comment is thank you for GW for getting these documents out. Like I know that they're, they may not be perfect moving into Harrow deep, but over the last year, like, you know, we've definitely waited for a while to get the primacy cleared up in the way that it is here. And, you know, I'm just happy to finally have this, this designer commentary FAQ in hand to answer a lot of the questions that we did have. And I look forward to, you know, another one soon. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think they do need another one soon, but uh, this one does fill a lot of the holes from the previous season. Yeah. Well, well said to both. I agree with both. I'm glad it's here. And uh, I do think that we need more. So um, good, good. Uh, okay. Well, let's talk about rivals. So uh, for those of you unfamiliar with rivals, Jason, could you explain what the rivals format is? Yeah. So the rivals format is new to, uh, to this season. And it, it really is pre-constructed decks. So what most of us seasoned players are used to is most Warbands since Season 3 and, and further on have come with a full deck of cards where it is a valid objective hand and a valid um, Gambit ploy upgrade hand. Um, but now they're, you know, with Silent Menace, they're starting to do these pre-constructed decks. So Rivals is you show up to, to play and instead of having a 
full championship style deck. You either play with your faction cards or a rival deck, which really makes the game a lot simpler for new players to jump into. Um, and it also leads to some really interesting choices as you work through, you know, a faction deck or Silent Men- Menace if you just really want a challenge um, on how to navigate that because it's it's not fluid, right? Like it's not a championship deck where it just flows and these objective score and you know everything that's coming up. Um, so it's a great introductory way to get people started um, or to just have fun quickly. Yeah. yeah. Well said. Um, and just a little point of note, um, if your warband doesn't have enough cards to, to function as a standalone deck, i.e. Shadespire and Nightvolt warbands, then as Jason mentioned, they would just play with the Silent Menace uh, deck. Yes. Um, yeah. Until another Rivals deck come out. And if you look at the Rivals format rules document on Games Workshop's website, they do mention that the Harrow Deep Universal Rivals deck is called Illusory Might. So, sounds like there'll be some illusions there. But um, God's one yeah. going to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's cool. And uh, if you're not familiar with the Silent Menace card list, it kind of mentions everything on that document as well, as well as the boards available. So, now that we know what Rivals is, and uh, Jason, you did allude that it's kind of designed for newer players, or maybe players who don't necessarily like deck building, which I've seen that a lot recently on Facebook where it's like, I love this game. I hate deck building. Rivals is perfect for me. Um, overall, like, you know, both of you have been playing in Rivals events. Um, in fact, very recently, Jason, why don't you take some time to explain, kind of run us through the, you know, you mentioned two events uh, in the pre-show that you've had and, and kind of how um, that's affected your environment, your local scene and, and kind of how people have responded to Rivals. Yeah, so I mean, in our in our local scene, one of the the biggest challenges we've always had with Underworlds is getting people to buy in. So if they come in early in the season, it's a lot easier. But when they're coming late in season, they have to you know catch up from the previous season and that season. Um, and then just deck building in general, like let's face it, that that is complicated, right? So the first couple times you show up to a play night or you show up to a tournament you're going to feel like you're playing behind the eight ball. You're, you're probably not going to win those matches until you figure out what the trick of your deck is um, or how you want to design that trick. So rivals really, you know, it allows that player to come in and get a feel for the war band, get a feel for the game without adding that element of, I have to go buy two seasons worth of product to feel like I am competitive or playing the same game as, you know, their opponent is that's been in the game for that long. Um, mm-hmm. So locally we've had two events, one at the GW store, one at another local store. Um, one was just a meetup event. One was a, a kickoff of our rivals league and both had decent turnout. We've got uh, the first event had eight. We had four brand new players. The second event was six with two brand new players. And it nice. really just allowed them to digest the rules and not have to worry about that second element. Um, and, you know, championship is still my favorite format as a seasoned player, but it is really fun to take a deck that you know is is not going to score everything and make those decisions. You know, I play, I've played Crushes, and it's like, you know, I'm searching for those easy score hold objectives in the first couple hands. And then, you know, by the end of the game, I'm like, I got to kill them all because I'm behind and I got to score brutal 
uh, brutal something, which is like five glory annihilation card. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the new players, they're, they're learning the new draw mechanic, you know, the Mulligan rule where you can draw and reshuffle and really start that, that glory and just, you know, get the deck rolling. So they get that startup glory. So, you know, it's just been really refreshing to get new players in and still, still allow our veterans to have a little fun and challenge. So. What would you say is the reactions that those, you know, you mentioned there's four and two new players. So like six new players over the course of two events Mm -hmm. uh, to like the game when you said that, Hey, you don't necessarily have to build your own deck and like, look at a online far list and whatever. So, so one of them has been, you know, underworld's curious since it's come out and that's what tipped them. That's what tipped that player to, to one, come to an event to buy a war band um, because he didn't need everything and he didn't need to chase um, the meta or chase a, the season progression. You know, he said, his, you know, when he had, he had bought a start, I want to say it was night vault before, but as soon as he got comfortable with how, the war band worked, it was like there was a new set and a new set and a new set. This allows him who that this player who doesn't play a ton to learn that war band through six months, seven months, eight months, and not have to keep up with, Oh, well, you know, now there is an errata and I can only use Varklov to push towards an enemy fighter. And um, so he was really excited um, you know, another player was just the rules interactions. You know, I think we forget because we've been playing the game so long that reaction steps are, although they are laid out fantastic in Harrow Deep, like the rule book mm-hmm. is so much tighter. It is not an easy concept to know when my reaction window is happening and wait, we're out of step and it's not my activation, but I can react. So I've seen players really been able to slow down and kind of learn the core rules instead of adding the deck building element and adding that, you know, Jason just scored 10 glory in an end phase. Like now I'm down by nine. How the heck do I, that never happens by the way. It's always me that is down by nine. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, that's cool. I mean, I'm happy to hear that. Like I think for communities that might be struggling or, or, or trying to revive with new blood, this could be a really good way to, to get people to, to play the game. Um, and then eventually, hopefully, you know, transition to championship well, over time. One of the other key points that I think for our play group too is most of our play group is not traditional GW players. Hmm. And by adding rivals, it's made it more board game esque, which has really allowed us to draw in a different crowd. And I say different because I think that that's the way it is in most communities, but our community is a lot of board gamers. So it's just more approachable and then they're able to take it to their normal board game play groups and get more people in. And I think that that's where we're seeing our, our growth. Um, you know, one of our players, Steven Cavanis, um, he's, you know, he's played for quite a few years now and like he is starting to introduce it again into his, his play group because he is primary board gamer. So. That makes sense. Well, I'm happy to hear that that's kind of going, and I, I guess that was the intention of Rivals. Jonathan, you said you've been playing in a couple of events as well. What what has that experience been like? Yeah, they've basically just been um, you know local game nights, but um, I've enjoyed it a lot. Um, as when they announced it, I uh, kind of did a deep dive on all of the decks to see what they were actually like. Mm-hmm. Um, 
unfortunately, I don't think the Silent Menace is <laughs> very good uh, or like really even that playable. Um, although I have heard people have played it and maybe maybe it's a little bit better than I think. Um, but the decks that I uh, that stuck out to me as being fun were the Soul Raid and the two new decks um, for the Cruel Boys and the Truth Seekers. Um, I think both of those are pretty solid. I would say something like half of the Warbands uh, from the last couple seasons. There's 22 in total, I guess. I would say half of them have like pretty reasonable decks that you can play through and you'll probably get like 10 glory. Um, and I think the part that really sticks out to me is uh, how interesting, particularly the ploys are um, when you have to take all of the faction ploys, you end up with some really interesting stuff that you wouldn't take normally. Cause it's not better than a sidestep or not better than a distraction or not better right. than, you know, plus one dice or whatever. Um, but like I've been playing the soul raid and they have poisons that are really interesting. They have their cards where you play them and the opponent has to choose to get a pretty decent negative effect or they have to start throwing away power cards. Um, and that's just part of the game that you never see because most of these cards are not good enough to be, you know, in the top 10 of all the cards in the game when you're building that deck. Um, so I've enjoyed it a lot. I mean, I, I like championship. If I go to a big tournament, I'm probably going to want it to be championship or something a little bit more complex than rivals, because I don't know if I want to play any deck, you know, that I didn't get to build, you know, eight to 12 times in a row or whatever, <laughs> but, right. um, but I've enjoyed it as a, you know, a, a casual play experience. Um, I've played some people that, you know, either haven't played before or have only played a couple times and, it's definitely a more uh, approachable way to play the game. And for me as a veteran playing the game, I think it's more interesting for me to play one of these decks, probably with a warband I haven't played very much, definitely with a bunch of cards I haven't played before and try to make it work while teaching someone else the game, um, you know, and hopefully strategically giving them a rival's deck that is a little bit better, <laughs> but <clears throat> In general, I've enjoyed it um, quite a bit. I think locally we're going to uh, switch between that and championship, um, you know, depending on who uh, wants to play what. But it's also very easy to have a couple championship, I mean, a championship deck and a couple rivals decks built at the same time. You just pick a couple of warbands and sleeve all their cards. So, Right. So I guess as people who have, you know, played the rivals format a lot and, and thought about the pros and cons of it. What do you think about when people in the community say like, Oh, rivals is potentially splitting up the player base. And, and in some cases communities are just adopting rivals as a whole as their favorite way to play uh, and leaving championship in the dust. Like, do you think those criticisms are valid or is it just, you know, a, a building block that's required for the game at this point? I do think it's a building block that's required for the game. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's going to split the community. I understand that concern from, you know, some communities out there that it, it could, if you have a person that's like, I'm only going to play championship or a person that I'm only going to play rivals. Um, for that person that is only going to play championship, I think what Jonathan was just going through, like there's, learnings to be there through different card interactions, different play styles that could help you in championship. Um, 
But I think that what is really, really needed is a simple way to introduce people to the game and that that is rivals. So I think it, for, for me, my opinion is it was definitely needed because to get somebody stuck into underworlds, that's, that's a big buy. Like it's, it's not, I'm not talking monetarily. I'm talking information to get caught up, to become a, a, you know, a decent player where you feel you have a chance on the board. That was a big investment from, from brain power to time to also financially. So rivals mm-hmm. is a, it bridges that gap. Uh, yeah, that's a really interesting like outlook on it. And, and I, I kind of do agree to an extent, like, but I, I have heard like, for example, Gora, one of our patrons, a good friend of the show, um, top class player. He said that he's having trouble finding championship games because every time he goes to his local store, everyone just wants to play rivals. Um, and so it just leads me to think like, I guess some communities might transition to rivals only like in Houston, like I've, I've been trying to gauge the player base and trying to run events and it's strictly like the only interest has been shown is rivals, but I'm also grateful for that because there wasn't really much interest shown in the last year and a half. So now the fact that people are excited about something is cool, though it may not necessarily be what I'm excited about. I'm just excited to just play the game in a way. And I guess it's more of like, I'll take what I can get type mentality. Um, at least for now. Right. Yeah. What I, what I think is going to happen is, I mean, I would be surprised if there was, if there are a lot of groups of hardcore players that own everything that are deciding they just want to play rivals. Um, maybe that's the case. Uh, I mean, some, some of the people I've been playing rivals with do own everything. Um, but in general, I think it's appealing to new people. So if you have new people joining the game, to me, that's exciting enough for me to want to play rivals with them. Um, because, I mean, if I just want to play, you know, a championship against the best players in the world, like really the only way to do that or the, the easiest way to do that is to play online anyway. So, you know, the reasons that I'm playing locally tend to be more about like, you know, socially and it's fun to teach people the game. Um, it's just fun to go out and play the game with other people. Um, and I honestly don't think once you're playing, I don't think these games are less fun than championship games. Um, I do think it's probably not as repetitive. So I would be surprised if a new player buys one more band and only plays the rival deck for like six months. I actually, that would be kind of amazing to me if somebody did that. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I don't think that rivals is deep enough for that to be interesting in the long term. I think that player is going to say, oh, you know, this is playable. I get fun games, but I'm a little bored of this deck. It's time to buy a new warband. And over the next six months, over the next year, suddenly they'll have all the stuff they need for championship. And, you know, that seems like a pretty reasonable way forward. Um, so, but I can understand if you really like championship and you're really just into the competitive uh, side of things only. Um, it's not going to be as deep an experience. I mean, apply the same same thing to another game. You know, 40K is the largest tabletop game out there. You have people that play competitively that only want to play meta and you have people that play narratively, right? And right. I understand that it's a much bigger group. And, you know, Underworlds has, where they have 5,000, we have five, um, you know, in your local meta, especially here in Raleigh, like that really might be 
Like we have a ton of players for 40 K locally, but they're going to find a way that they want to play. And you will see those players that cross between a competitive and a narrative 40 K game. And I think it's the same way here. And, you know, to the one, to people that are struggling, like I would say play a certain way, like play rivals and build up that player base. Because if you get 10 people, I'm sure that two or three want to dive all the way in and then you can play that. And that's, we've also done that locally too. Like, so our events are rivals but I always have a championship deck with me, right? But Jared and I meet up every Friday for lunch and play Underworlds at lunch and we play full on championship. So um, I think you will find people that because rivals introduce them to the game that then expand their collection and then you'll get a smaller group that might continue the championship. It just, it might be a little dry as it, it kicks off here. So, right. To me, it seems like, Rivals is a more drastic version of Vanguard, but with long-term benefits. Yeah, I think that's true. I would, well, I would also, agree. The other thing that's interesting is like, if I have a new person playing and they have the starter set, and even if they have like half of the first season or something, um, it's not fun for me to play against them because it, like, their skill level aside... You know, yeah, they'll probably make more mistakes, but the game's not even fair. Like, if I have a full championship deck, if the other person doesn't also have a full championship deck, we're not we're not actually playing in a way that's right. competitive. Like that. So, I mean, I would I actually enjoy that less than you know the rivals, where at least I think they were on a level playing field, deck wise, or something close to it. Uh, you know, and then it's more about skill, and you know, if they make mistakes, that's an opportunity to learn, and that's a, you know. And all that. So, it's a good point, and, and it's something that I learned over time when I was playing in like my local area. Was uh, I would ask people like, "Why are you running?" Like, why, like I was playing against a buddy of mine, Raymond, um, and I was like, "Why don't you have uh, what's the card that you can stack a bunch of upgrades from Arena Mortis One?" <laughs> uh, um, I know what you're talking about. Confidence. Deserve, yeah, deserve confidence. deserve confidence. Yeah, I was like, "Why aren't you running this card in your Ripa's deck?" He was like, "Oh, I just don't own Arena Mortis." And I was like, "Why?" He's like, "Oh, I just it's too expensive." You know, I didn't I didn't feel like spending that money. I I, I bought some Space Marines or whatever, and yeah. I was like, "Yeah, that makes sense." But I, I in theory, I was playing against a very suboptimal, like not suboptimal, but like less optimal or finely tuned deck because this person didn't own a specific expansion. So I get that. I really do. Um, not everyone has the same level of disposable income and not everyone perceives each expansion to be worthy, right? Like we've talked about on this podcast, like, you know, like you might be a diehard orc player. Why the heck are you going to want to buy some fishes and crabs? You know, like it doesn't (laughs) make any sense. It doesn't match anything else in your collection. Um, And in a way, I think rivals allows you to kind of flaunt your, your chosen alliance, right? Like if you are like a pure destruction fanboy or you like skeletons and ghosts and stuff, then you can kind of just rep that and not have to worry about some of the other stuff in the game, which I think is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, how long have we been complaining about, oh, I have to buy this Warband because it has this card in it? Yeah. And now there's a yeah. way where you could do that. So, Yeah, like Chosen Axis are like one of the best-selling Warbands of all time, but it's because they <laughs> yeah. had... Uh, <laughs> ready for crazy- action. <laughs> yeah, they had Ready for Action. It wasn't because you wanted Chosen Axis, you wanted Earthquake and Ready for Action. Um, and fueled yeah. by fury, you it's, know. Yeah. So 
Crimson Court, right? Like Crimson Court sold out instantly. Yeah. Not all of those people were Underworld's players. The models were great, but now there is a a specific way and you know to for them to come to the table and only have Crimson Court, right? Yeah. Like you know, I you know, I have two boards, so I can give you a board so you can play your your Crimson Court. Um Oh, I have more than two boards. <laughs> yeah. I, I got a lot of boards. Yeah. Lots of boards. Well, that's good. I feel like overall, I think I think before we get into like what some of the good war bands are in the rivals format that we've seen or heard of, um, I guess like good, bad, ugly needs work. Like I would love to hear like your final thought on what you think rivals is. And we can start with Jason and go to Jonathan um, just to hear that. Again, I think rivals is a great introductory way to get in or a, a great way to get pickup games in with underworlds to grow a community. Um, I think a lot of the, the, the pushback on it, is from veteran players that just need to kind of see the forest of the trees and challenge yourself because those decks are, some of them are difficult and it's really fun to try to figure out the, the puzzle to get them to work. Um, and more players is better and, you know, whatever gets more players into the game is, is what we need. So. Right on. Yeah, I agree. I also want to mention that I think today they dropped the rules for, a different format entirely called the clash of the warlords tournament that they're doing, mm. which is in basically, Warhammer yeah, Warhammer world. And this is basically, it's like rivals, but you get to take your faction deck and then you get to mix it with either the silent menace or the essentials card pack or a new, or if they come up with a new one by then you can mix it with that. And that adds like a whole new layer to now you take all the good faction cards and then you take all the good cards from one of those sets. And that's, to me, that's actually a really good idea um, because that's pretty, for like a hundred bucks, you can start playing the game and like that has some depth to it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I actually love this. Yeah. This is really cool. This is like, like, you know, how people used to take Vanguard Plus. This is like Rivals Plus. Yeah, right. Yeah. This is really neat. Um, yeah. And as we get more decks, this is like, this is going to be more and more feasible. And like more you're saying Rivals decks, right? Yeah. 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 Like, if this yeah, is you, the easy mode, like, if yeah. this is like the beginner friendly, like, you know, all inclusive mode and you're able to do some deck building and you're able to try something new. And, you know, I mean, frankly, at the end of the last season, championship decks were basically half great fortitude, half great strength, a bunch of pushes and a bunch of distractions, like fair. Yeah. (laughs) And a bunch of like (laughs) punching up cards. Like, is that actually more interesting than having to take a bunch of weird cards and make the best use of them? Like it is in a way, but it's also not in another way. Yeah. I completely agree. And just to clarify, like this is a Warhammer World event that they're they're hosting, so it's not a new right. format that came out on you know the Warhammer community site. This is an right. event that they're holding there, and to to both your points, this is this is like the 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 perfect in between. Like I get to take my faction specific cards and add essentials. Like yeah, great strength, great fortitude, maybe some glory seeker. 
Mm. So, <laughs> but that's ferocity. a great like second step. Like when you're if your playgroup is playing a lot of rivals, but they're getting a little bored with it, then you say, well, why don't we do this? And then you can you know do a couple months of that, and then that's another bridge between that and championship as well. So could also help those uh, season one and season two war bands, right? Because now they could have a full deck. Yeah. Yeah, I this really that. opens it all up quite a bit more. So you register your warband in one of the following Essentials card pack, Silent Menace, or a new Rivals deck. Yeah, mm-hmm. I dig it. I dig it a lot. This is really cool. And I like this to see that they're experimenting. And I think this is like what you said is a great way for someone. Maybe people are playing Rivals for two, three months. They just got into the game and they're like, hey, just buy this Essentials pack or, or this Silent Menace that you can use with all these other warbands that exist in the ether and kind of have hang out have fun and and slowly wean your way in into championship i see what you're doing and it's cool (laughs) um and i'm here for it i actually kind of want to fly in just for this event now Uh, isn't the silent helm in silent menace isn't like can i just take that card i think so yeah is it silent sword are they all in silent menace not all of them but i think silent helm may be yeah, I think a few of them are. I That's the other really the, cool thing about this is you never think about like, you know, ooh, what card came in that set? And then you're like, oh, I have to take all of these. Or, you know, I, I can choose well, great strength and great fortitude, but then I don't get the helm and I don't get the sword, you know? Well, I will say this, the Silent Menace pack is pretty legit if you can mix and match because you've got Augmented Limbs, yeah. Savage Soldier, Silent Armor, Silent Ring. <laughs> um Strength of the Swarm, membranous, membranous Wings, Hypnotic Buzz, Acidic Strike, Symbiote's Call. I mean, it's it starts to seem pretty nice when you can just pick and choose from yeah. that. So When you can use I that to complement your Warband's deficiencies, it could be a really yeah. good pack. Yeah. Well, that's another cool thing is that like in Championship, pretty much every Thorns deck is going to be the same. Like pretty much every... Yeah. You know, like, like there aren't really that many differences. But if you get a Thorns player that mixed with Silent Menace and another one that mixed with Essentials, those are going to be drastically different. Yeah. One could probably be more hold objective cool. while another one is more aggressive. Right? Yeah. Maybe Thorns isn't a good example, but like, you know, pick another one. I think one it is. Man. It's a great yeah. example. Yeah. You were Zarbags even, you know, like... Yeah. Um, yeah. And even Godsworn play differently. Well, I don't know. They might play the same. But, um, cool. Well, we've talked about this new format or this new event, whatever. And then we've talked about rivals. And I think overall we're pretty high on it. Like we understand that it's a, it's a necessary for this game to grow in the long term and to, you know, inject the you know community with more blood. And as like a uh, tenured, you know, as tenured players, um, you know, and people who have been in the game for a long time since season one, like we can understand like their grievances and why they're a little concerned or afraid or, you know, like frustrated. But as Jason mentioned, like you got to think long term here, you know, play the long game, like, you know, play the long war like chaos does, you know, like think about everything that can be great as long as we just put a little bit of sacrifice and, and work in today in rebuilding our communities. Cause they're like, you know, like Tommy, for example, he has like four people in, I think Scotland, he'll kill me if he's not from Scotland. I'm pretty sure he's from Scotland. Um, and, you know, like imagine if like a year from now, there's like 20 people in Scotland who play this game. Then Tommy has a bunch of people that he can beat up on in person <laughs> and online, you know? So things like that. And, and we bring Tommy up because he's a good friend of ours. And um, it's just fun to poke fun at him in a very actually positive way. So cool. Um, Jonathan, name me your top three 
best warbands you think for the rivals format? Um, I think that the, so I, I've said I like the fish quite a bit. I think they're pretty good. I've been getting like 10 or 12 glory, not, nice. not to brag, but, uh, <laughs> That's a lot. Double digits there. It's a lot in rivals. Uh, <laughs> um, I also think the cruel boys are pretty good. Mm. Um, in my article, which I hadn't actually played any of the games, I was just examining the decks and writing their power. Um, I put the Grimwatch, Crimson Court, Wraith Creepers, Lady Harrows at the top. But that was also before Harrow Deep. So I'm not sure how good Crimson Court are. Um, but I think they're still pretty good. So those are your three Crimson Court, Cruel Boys, and Soul Raid? Yeah, probably. The okay. Crimson Court inspires a little tricky, but Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I mean that's a good that's a healthy spread, and those are all recent war bands, very easily accessible. Uh Jason, yep. I know Jonathan mentioned a bunch, but three that you might think that are pretty strong in your area or well, not, your in your experience. I'm not gonna go with the uh the easy death faction right because that's what jonathan just wanted to do um i I do think you know that uh death all the death war bands definitely have an advantage but the ghost death war bands right um but headcrackers like i've seen them them played and like with the primacy um and just that's to me such a cerebral uh aggro war band that they're Mm -hmm. really fun to play in rivals um crushes i've played crushes um and then another one uh was uh lumineth uh oh my goodness gracious what's the purifiers yeah um those are the three that that i liked um the most and really head crackers like just cracking skulls getting primacy so um but if you're looking dreepers and lady more in flight okay if you want to play on real easy mode, cause they have really good cards. So, yeah. Yeah. I've, um, I've, uh, just kind of theory crafted some and, and just kind of been writing online. And what I've, what I've found to see is that it's a lot of Canaan's Reapers doing really well. Um, cause like the Natterite stuff really works. Um, cause the deck is like so tuned to supporting the supporting cast and it's not necessarily like a Hrothgorn or Moloch style buff Canaan, which is cool. Um, obviously Wraith Creepers, like they literally have a championship deck. It's crazy. <laughs> um, and then, um, I've heard like mixed emotions on Hrothgorn. You know, he's got a bunch of really tough surges, but he also has eight of them. So if that kind of just works out in his favor and he gets tough and hide out, uh, it can be quite the challenge. So, um, yeah, overall though, I think I've heard some really great things about all the war bands. Um, what's funny is it's not like it's any less balanced than championship (laughs) it's not (laughs) (laughs) there's like four at the top and then there's a bunch in the middle and then there's a few at the bottom like yeah okay kind of how cookie crumbles i've played a lot a lot into canaan's reapers and your assessment is spot on like you really see how you know everyone else other than canaan works um and there's a lot of fighter specific cards in that deck so as you play them more and more um, thank you to my play group for playing it so much. You know who to take out, and then then you kind of dismantle their deck because they don't have the guys to put their upgrades on, right? So yeah. it's it's kind of a good counter to it. It's it's been fun. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Like we've always like lamented 
like fighter specific upgrades on this podcast because in some cases unless it's on a leader or like a core fighter to your warband it's kind of like meh you know like but and i can really see like a fun game where like you put um a hunting aspect on legain and he becomes this like monster right where you know maybe he's not a monster but he's at least better than your average house cat now which is kind of cool um Listen, Legane and Grawl are the MVPs of, of Harrow Deep right now. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to reveal a secret for championship mm. mode right here. There we go. Let's hear it. Scant resources, right? Is that the card? Or It's a good one. Right? It's Is that the card. one where you can you, someone can hold an objective? Yeah. So move Grawl, Legane onto an objective, delve it, and they're not holding the objective. There you go. I just clogged your hand for two glory. There you go. Yeah. That is good. Each player has no unspent glory points or all objectives are held. Yeah. Yeah. They can flip it without holding it. Yeah. That's good. Very nice. Good tech there, Jason. You heard <laughs> it here first. Um, I was looking at the Ravagers deck and I was like, dude, try scoring uh, <laughs> absolute desecration. Um, that's going to be a tough one in the faction deck for sure. Ditch it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. The, o- the only ones I didn't like were Ravagers to spoilers storm of celestis blade coven silent Menace. you didn't you didn't like storm of celestis the warband that you've been <laughs> championing the last couple episodes what's going on here man i like them in championship yeah. i don't like them i their their cards are weird but uh nurgle i think is the worst i think condemners and nurgle <laughs> are just absolutely the worst oh, nurgle has three yeah. surges and they're, they're awful <laughs> I don't think the Condemners deck is that bad if you like roll a Maybe little not. bit better so, so than I normal. Pl- I've played that. That's my go-to warband, right? Like when when we're playing Rivals <laughs> or an intro game, even before Rivals was a thing, yeah. I always would go with them, and uh, they are very dice dependent. The problem is, is like you've got to work really hard for their objectives, and you get one glory. Um, but they hit really well. Like some of the cards that you would never take in championship stack up really nice on a specific fighter. And then that fighter can really do some damage. So there's play there. It just, it's a lot of work for one glory. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, Brodus is Brodus is Brodus though. You know, he's the bro of all bros. So he is, I love that. Okay. Well, it looks like, again, we're pretty, we're pretty high on rivals. I think it's a really fun format. I think if your community is struggling, you should definitely attempt to, run some rivals events it sounds like it's working well for the dfw and the raleigh area so um i'll try that in houston i'll let you guys know how it goes over the next couple months um the last part of this episode is we want to talk about the current championship meta you know at the end of the day we are a competitively minded podcast and uh, championship is the lifeblood of competitive warhammer underworlds and so we're going to just talk about the new warbands, what warbands we think are doing really well from our experience uh, and kind of just see what the early days of Harrow Deep are looking like um, and whether or not death warbands are really that good. Um, cough, partial resurrection cough. So uh, let's go ahead and start off with, I guess, general, like, you know, general musings. Like, what are you guys seeing? And, uh, you know, what do you think is good? Um, so I haven't played nearly as much championship as I have rivals. Um, I have been looking at different decks that people have been saying they've been playing. And, um, I think the biggest thing that strikes me is 
that I wasn't expecting looking at the initial Harrow Deep release uh, is things like scant resources. Um, I knew I, I knew dominant position was going to be good because it's easier to hold more. Mm-hmm. Um, but the objectives that need you to hold all or need them all to be held uh, are way easier now because there just aren't any objectives. So you could hold all and that could be one. Yeah. Um, so I think people were thinking objective play was going to be a lot worse. Um, but I think it's just different now. Um, I think the surges are worse, but like objectives still, objective play is still a thing. And then you get cool interactions like what Jason was talking about with crawl and the gain and, you know, counterplay against those sort of things. Like, do you take a card to flip an objective just to leave it there flipped? You know, do you delve one just to delve it? Um, you know, so I think, uh, I think that was the biggest surprise that I've seen. Uh, you know, otherwise, other than that, like what was good last season is still pretty good card-wise. Um, a few new cards to play with. but Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the hold all objective cards because like Infestation and Claim the City for Gits and Guard are insane right now. Like five glory. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you see one of them across the table, you, you better be <laughs> uh, flipping and moving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, but that's uh, the kind of thing I, that only happens once. Like you don't let that keep happening, right? Fair, un- unless they like are able to somehow like man- manipulate the the board with like I guess symbiote's call or something like that. But oh yeah, um, like uh, even living land, I think can flip one or move one or uh, yeah, th- I, I get them all mixed up. I don't know if yeah. living land is yeah something like that, but. It, it it I definitely got my surprise. So I've um I've been playing against like this guard list that's been kind of um, frustrating me a little bit. <laughs> um, and uh, like the first time it was like round one score claim the city and I was like oh god, <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't see this coming. And then um, I think there's it's like funny, a lot that was the OG podcast and the joke was that you could never score that card. <laughs> yeah, Here yeah. Well, you know if if they were still around, they would they'd be very happy. Um. Shout out to the OGs. Uh, but I think you're absolutely right. Like what was good last season is still good. Um, but what I found to be quite frustrating um, is like, I'm, so I've been really trying to make the truth seekers work. And there are a couple games where they've done really well, um, you know, and there are a couple games where I just get killed um, pretty quickly because, you know, four wounds isn't what it used to be. But with cards like Berserker Rage and Punching Up and Feral Symbiote, and great strength and glory seeker and fighters ferocity. It's so hard to stay alive. And it like kind of makes you like not want to invest in your fighters as much because they're just going to get one shot anyways, 50% of the time. And it's a little frustrating because I was playing against this guard list. So he gets five glory. Then the champion becomes a monster and he just kills my warband. And it's, you know, or in the harvester was another game. You know, we played best two out of three, you know, in game three, because um, the second game, Storm Rider killed everything. It was great. Um, <laughs> and the third game, I just like the Harvester just like does a scything attack and just kills two of my fighters. And it's like, well, what can you do? You know, so um, I think that's been the biggest learning challenge for me. And this is something that we were seeing in Dire Chasm was war bands with a lot of fighters, expendable fighters, um, pun intended in some cases, that... Um, you can just give them some damage really quickly. Inspired attack is another one that comes to mind and they can just hit way above their weight class. Uh, 
and it can kind of ruin your game if you don't have as, as many expendable fighters. Yeah, and we've seen these medals before, like Midnight Vault. The you know when the Godsworn Hunt were in their their prime. Yeah, um, when was that? What, what? <laughs> right after Moloch came out, <laughs> around like May. Yeah, Curse Breakers were really good, and and uh, Godsworn Hunt would just wipe them out. Yeah, How, can you kill three people? Probably, but um, but you know, I, like we had aggro gets at that point, and then we've had aggro aggro gets have kind of always been a thing since that point. Um. It's just part of this game, I think. Yeah, I'm, I think Canaan's uh, Canaan's Reapers could also benefit from that. Yeah. Although they don't, they don't have full resurrection like other warbands do. Like um, they can still use that beautiful card that Death has now. So <laughs> partial resurrection—that's another great card. Yeah, um, that is an insane card, um, disgusting card. <laughs> I think for for me. I mean, I I am definitely still playing Godsworn Hunt and really, really enjoying them in the current season because exactly of what you said. Like, it's so easy to take somebody out. Like, what do I care if I lose one of my members of the Godsworn? Like, I have five others that I can tool up with all the damage that's out there and go after the the, the big nasty or the four wound fighter. Um, you know, one thing that I was surprised after my initial glance of the the Cruel Boys, I was like, oh yeah, they're they're cool new orcs whatever but playing against them they have a lot of tricks and mm-hmm. the way that the inspire is very good and you know i i was a little worried about the amount of damage that they can put out um but with the cards that are out there i think there's there's a lot of a lot of play there and then you get around their accurate accuracy with supports so i wouldn't be surprised to really see them establish themselves um you know i think that dreppers is still dreppers Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. yeah um do we think Drepper's <laughs> is significantly nerfed with their changes no not at all <laughs> so the way i was playing this deck in dire chasm was i didn't care to go into your territory because i would hold objectives in my territory i would make you come to me because i have more passive glory than you and then i'll kill you because you i inspire when you charge me and right while it's not as copy paste as it was in Dire Chasm, um, you know, as the season goes on, I'm sure there'll be cards that reward you for doing whatever, you know, on certain on feature tokens or in your territory or in certain areas of the board. So you just take those and you chill and you passively outscore your opponent and then you kill them. Um, and because you have free reign within your territory, it doesn't matter. Um, and then on the off chance that you are the beatdown you have Drepper. Right. You know, and, and Hackfell and, and Grodrick aren't slouches. They're two smash range, two attacks. Um, so the threat range is pretty significant early on and, and fairly accurate. Um, and if Drepper goes down early, you just Voltron one of the other ones, right? So I think, yeah. I, th- I still think they're top gog. And then Paul of Fear is a joke. Um, it's probably one of the best cards yeah. in the game at this moment and uh, makes it really hard to kill Drepper or the patrician, but most likely Drepper, like 99% of the time. What about, what have you guys seen at Ripa? Because we had a rivals interaction with Ripa that was kind of, I haven't played against them in championship, but uh, you know, they have a couple cards that could really make him hard to hit if he's standing on a gloom. (laughs) Yeah. The bonded (laughs) stuff is dumb. Um, It is, it is, it is really, really an unfortunate 
circumstance that's occurred uh, because you just have to outcrit him. If he's on guard in a gloom hex with Bond, <laughs> you have to outcrit him, or he doesn't. He he does. He's in, he's invincible. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's probably easier just to push him off <laughs> with a card or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, I know they've that al- um, they've always handled um, horde warbands well, right? And yeah. as we see those horde warbands come up with all the upgrades and weapon upgrades. They could they could take over here. Yeah, and they're a little bit resistant towards the one shot killing because you don't really want to target uh, Ripa early. Mm-hmm. Um, he's relative; they're all relatively hard to hit once they inspire. Um, he inspires very easily, and then he's kind of just a whirlwind. So, yeah. Well, the Ripa stuff is kind of interesting too because, like, because of the limited card pool, like you you can take commanding stride. Uh, and so you can get a lot of activation economy out of him. So in some cases, you just kind of have to go for it and try to kill him. Um, and, and and to Jason's point, that interaction makes it very difficult in some cases because he can sidestep. He can uh, it's pack. What's it called? Uh, pack pack advance? No. Um, uh, it's the one where it's pretty much a sidestep. But if they're next to each other, they can sidestep more. So they've got a pack bunch of tactics. That I think pack tactics. There we go. Yeah. So it's, it's unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I don't know if I feel like, I don't know. I don't mind Ripa doing well. Um, I don't feel like he's that, uh, he's not, he's not as unenjoyable to play against as, uh, some others. Can be. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I've always liked I, know, I know you do, but like, it's so easy to score arm of the Everwinter. Um, I know some people argue Maybe. like is, is delving you or the warband and is, are you the warband? My interpretation is yes, um, because I'm flipping it and I'm playing the warband. Um, so like you can you can score it and then and you can get that card fairly easily with the mulligan and then like tough and hide. So like the game has like kind of evolved to where like a lot of action going on in the middle, right? Because the way future tokens are placed and um, the limited carpool, so people are just fighting more rather than playing to like these end game strategies and Hrothgorn's really good at just fighting in the middle of the board because the range three yeah um, he's got unexpected um no sorry toughened hide uh massive bulk and then famed hunter just yeah you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no i mean he he seems like he's he is probably pretty strong right now i i don't think there's a rules as written explanation for that card working on a delve uh, i think i think it sounds like it would be nice if it did but i think it's pretty clear in the rule book what is your warband and what is not so um well i i i disagree but yeah um but I, even I, that aside i side with mon i'm on here so it's <laughs> definitely, okay. definitely scored. i knew i invited you for a good <laughs> <laughs> if, if a card flips it that's definitely your warband but Sure. Yeah. Um, I think it would have to say somewhere, but um, that aside, yeah, I can see him being good because he can just stand in the middle. He's pretty hard to kill, even with all the damage, um, and he gets all of his restricted cards. So, yeah, yeah, that doesn't help. Yeah, I was I was really thinking about the meta as a whole, um, and like even though there are some outliers, like you know we've talked about Ripa, Dreppers, and and Hrothgorn, Um In some cases, I've heard like Malog is doing you know, well in some scenarios too, which hurts mm. my soul um <laughs> i think like 
overall, I think the meta is in a good spot. Like, I think that what I really think is like the Shade Spire Night Vault Warbands are starting to show a little bit of age. But at the same time, like, Skaven are still great. Um, Profiteers are still good. The Guard are monsters. Um, yeah. And um, Fiends are also like classically good. You know, they like fighting in the middle of the board. And this war, this season kind of does that. Um, I do think objectives have slowed down a little bit, but like stalkers and thorns aren't in a bad spot. I think, I think Grimwatch struggle a lot because they just rely on that fast scoring. Um, but even then it's like, it's not bad, but like, you know, you've mentioned the Ideneth a couple times. I think Kanan, Crimson Court, Mad Mob, they all mm-hmm. like fighting and there's a lot of fighting going on. Um, and I really think the new warbands are, are doing really well. Um, I think obviously between the two, Cruel Boys are just better. Um, I think like you can, if you can position fighters really well, you're going to reap the benefits of uh, defensive tech that they have, but also the fact that they can all support one another. Like Torka is a is a is the the fulcrum, right? Like he yeah. is that piece. If you can maximize Torka, your attacks accuracy level goes through the roof. Um, which is pretty neat. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that uh, in the few events that I've seen happen, um, like seen the results of, the, there seems to be a pretty good spread. I mean, there's so many warbands now that, you know, if the top five or six, you know, has four or five different warbands in it, that's that still seems pretty good to me. Um, the, the Recently, one of the patrons smoothness won an event with Ripa's 16 person event. Um, but the top four were Ripa's Zarbag, Rothcorn Reavers. And then it was Reapers, Ripa's Ravagers. So like there's only one repeat there <laughs> in the top yeah. seven. Um, that seems like a good meta to me. I mean, I think all we really want is like variety. Yeah. Jason, what are your thoughts on the meta? I I think we're in a good place. Um, you know, I think that with all the core rule updates and changes with Gloom, you know, Delve, like there's just a lot to be figured out out there. Um, you know, the card pool has moved so it's so different than when we were a season ago with hold objectives after an activation surge cards, right? Like those are, you know, um, warband specific now. So I think that, you know, I'm very happy with the championship meta and to start off a season where I think if I bring, like Jonathan was just saying, you know, 10, 15 different warbands, I have a real shot at winning my games. So I hope that continues through the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think, I think you're, you're both spot on. It's a great, it's a good meta right now. There's a lot of stuff that's viable. There's a lot of stuff that works. Obviously, you know, we have the outliers that we've talked about, but you know, aside from that, like even if even when I'm playing Cruel Boys into like Rippas or Hrothcorn, like I don't feel like I'm gonna lose. I feel like it's my game to win, but I don't necessarily think it's just an auto lose. Um so I think that's quite interesting and I've really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed actually making trying to make the truth seekers work. Um but as we mentioned, I think it's—I don't know if it's the right time for them. I think they need some more support, uh, just because of the way the, the warbands are, are working right now in the card pool. Um, 
Does anyone have anything else to add on the current meta and, and warbands before we kind of talk about some of the, the, the top cards and, and strategies right now? I mean, I think that it's a great time to segue to the cards because that, you know, you ask about the, the warbands, but I think you have to watch out for more cards than you do warbands. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, let's jump into that. Um, what are some cards that you feel like you've seen a lot, like kind of early days people have gravitated towards, um, you know, whether they're old Diarchasm cards or Herodeep cards? Everything to prove. That's a good one. Everybody's got that. And with how much, how much quarry is still out there, it, you know, I'm often seeing it scored where they take me out of action and still score it because they have the primacy token. So, um, yeah, that's a, it's one that we just, you're going to see in almost every deck. Yeah. It, it's, it's just, it reminds me of upper hand a lot. Um, in that the way that it functions, um, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. I mean, it's, it's in a lot of decks. Well, the, the perfect upper hand one is the, uh, uh, contest of, Oh yeah. I confused a contest of equals. Yeah, yeah. That's the one I was thinking yeah. about. I'm literally looking at it as I'm, <laughs> that's my butt. That's my bad. Every, yeah. Everything yeah. to prove is, you know, you, yeah. the opponent gains the primacy or you have the primacy and have a quarry. Right. So, yep. Yep. but yes, to, to your, the one you're reading, that one is, is really interesting out there right now. Yeah. That's, that's a big, that's a, that's a boo-boo on my end. Like the, everything to prove is dark as card. I, I don't know why I blanked out. We even mentioned earlier in the episode, but yeah, that's a good one. And that was, that was already in everyone's decks, but yeah, I can see why. <laughs> With the limited surges now in the card pool, it's still there. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Can can I ask you to roll your defense dice, please? Even though my attack yeah. is not going through. Yeah. What do you think the percentage on that card being scored is? I mean, I think I think what makes it really good is that it can, your opponent can score it for you too, so yeah. you get twice as many opportunities. But it still must be like a twenty five percent or less each roll, right? Yeah, I, I feel like because of recency bias, like. It, it probably feels worse than it actually is. Um, yeah, I do. I do like how you mentioned that your opponent can score this for you. So it's like, oh, you both get a glory. Okay, cool. Um, in some ways, though, like sometimes certain warbands um, benefit more from that first glory than others. So I can see how that can kind of be different. But I mean, it, it's just, it's just. I think the reason why this card is so popular is just because it's, it just happens. Yeah, it is inevitable. It's Thanos, but but it's nothing like you know. You go in like here. You come. You're charging in against me. You whiff your attack, right? You have all these dice and you whiff it, and I'm breathing a sigh of relief. And you're like, can you roll your defense dice? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, can I just roll? No, a no, there goes the glory. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, I can see that too. It shouldn't work like that. It's more of like you both blocked like you he hit you and you blocked it like you know like ching like oh we're equal not we both just like whiffed and smacked the air <laughs> um yeah but i guess it's equal and you're but both then, equally dumb then but then you just never see that card because you'd have meaning to, like then that makes the the odds of it happening much much smaller yeah so then then no one plays it anymore <laughs> i think it but i think that's like rules is intended. Oh, like, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not written, but yeah. So th- those are two really good surges. Uh, everything to prove contest of equals. I think scan resources, Jason, you mentioned this one earlier, pretty solid card. 
Yeah, and it's um, it's one that you once again not paying attention to the warbands, paying attention to the cards. Like a two glory score early game for them, just you know standing standing and having an objective like not being held, like or all of them. I'm sorry, all of them being held, so they just delve one and they're holding one objective. Um, you can really get put behind, or if you spend a lot of your glory, you're just giving somebody more glory to to glory can really swing a game early yeah it's uh it's like um you know back in the day there was uh um what's the one where you're on each side of the board um extreme flank <laughs> extreme flank like it was just like a card where like okay i get two glory and you're like damn you know like i worked yeah. so hard for my glory and they just exist and get two yeah um so that's a good that's another good shout do you think there are valid strategies though in like a best of three situation where you can like you're pretty sure they're going to have it and you can just stop them? I don't think. Well, so the thing is though, right? Is like if you, unless you have a distraction type effect or card, yeah, uh, I don't see you really stopping this card very often because like even if you delve on your side, you're still holding your object. I guess what you could do is delve. And then, like, sidestep onto a future token, delve, and then walk off. Yeah. You can do that. I mean, they really shouldn't be able to score it after the first round. Because you should have an objective in your backfield that you've delved and then left behind. Sure. But, but that, the thing is, is that, like, the mulligan rule is so... Yeah. It just kind of foolproofs some of these decks sometimes. The, the, big, thing, the big thing there is if you want to stop it turn one to your point you get it in your hand they get it in their hand turn one now i'm wasting an activation to get onto an objective hex or i'm wasting a card to push onto an objective hex to delve it mm-hmm. then to yeah. push off of it or move off of it you like they're making you spend resources to block their two glory i see what Re- you did and there. resources are scant but <laughs> <laughs> Um, look at Jonathan with the puns. I'm growing on him. Um, so what are some other objectives that you think, you know, are too good? Maybe, maybe future contenders for, you know, potential far less. Like, what do you think aside from what we've talked about are, are cards that should be looked at? Hmm. Um, I could probably see dominant position, now because it seems like it's even easier um but as far as the new ones if that's what you're looking for i'm not sure i see too many new ones Uh, Mm. but uh i don't know i I think we have i think i need to play more games and see how the meta shakes out a little bit more but i think there's a number of obvious cards that you know you're going to take pretty much no matter what um dominant position maybe underdog um those are the ones that stand out to me right now what about you, Jason? Yeah, I think it's this uh, more more dire chasm cards than anything new. Um, what about like unequal contests where you have an attack action where it's all successes? Like, I mean, it's a score immediately. I mean, that yeah, one could that, see a lot of play coming up. It's not bad. It's like it's kind of like the branching fate for two smash. Is how I think about it, but it's only a twenty-five percent chance for that to happen on two smash. Um. So, 
So what are, what are your thoughts on clean kills? So I like clean kills, but there is a hard counter to it, right? Yeah. Well, lethals are gone now, so. Well, depending is, on the board. It is harder to, to mess it up purposely. Yeah, I would say clean kills could be a card that I would maybe think would be really good really early on. That's a good that's a good one, Jason. Um You're right that the Jonathan's right in that the ability to counterplay is is less. I also just don't like silver lining. But I just feel like that's just for like turtley stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I also feel like you could technically like engineer that. I don't know if you'd ever want to though via mulligans, but yeah, I've been taking impending doom a lot. I don't know. If, I don't know if I think it should be restricted, but that's been one of the surges that I used every now and then previously. But now I like it yeah. quite a bit, especially for the bigger war bands because you just have to have two, uh, one enemy fighter adjacent to two friendly fighters, and yeah, sometimes that's what you want to do anyway. So that's a good one. I feel like that's a that's a card that a lot of people gravitated to early or dismissed it, but I feel like it'll be a nice one to come back. Even yeah. I feel like great gains might be useful now because there's so many big scores. Um, I feel like branching fate is always a reliable one. Even strong start in some cases, it's pretty solid. So yeah. I feel like the essentials pack will get pretty pretty good use. Okay, well we've we've talked about uh, the objectives. Uh, any power cards? Let's let's start with uh, gambits. Let's do gambits. Any gambits that uh, are kind of ruining your day. So yeah, I think that I think the pool becomes more when we get in out of the the objectives, and because yeah. we kind of talked about the play style that is prevalent right now with loading up small fighters. I think the biggest one that comes to my mind is punching up. Like mm. it seems to be everywhere, and it is very effective. <laughs> yeah, it's a good card. It, it, it's it's really good, and 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 I, I think I have my grievances with it. I think it's just because like I like to play warbands that are a little bit more. Elite, um, like, but I can see why, you know, players that have the resources do like to gravitate towards it. Um, I, I do think that this card is too strong, though, as is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it stacks with um, so too many other things. Uh, you know, it's too, it's very strong. But I don't know. We've always had this sort of thing in the game too. Is like we've had uh, shade glass dagger. In the very beginning, that would do four mm. damage. Can you imagine having that now? <laughs> oh, I forgot it could you. do four damage. It would just kill you. Three, <laughs> yeah. and on a crit, it would do four. I forgot about. It. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, I mean, it got restricted though. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that uh, I think that the surges going away has hurt those warbands a little bit because they don't mm. have the easy surges anymore. They have to like do stuff to get their surges in, in general. Yeah. Um, but it is annoying to play the elite war bands and then get one shot. <laughs> what about you? What, what, what cards do you think um, you've seen a lot in the power deck and the gambits? Um, I think some of the existing cards that are a lot better now are all of the pushes um, and the living land type symbiotes call type cards Yeah, um, with distraction and uh, the other distraction. <laughs> And basically all the distractions gone. Um, like they're just pushes are even more powerful because you're probably going to stay where you were. Um, and they're probably not going to be able to push you off of something. Um, and pushes were already good. 
So I think that's the thing that I've noticed is like, if I'm not really sure what I want for my last like one or two ploys, I'll just put in more pushes uh, yeah. or objective manipulation. Yeah. I think, I think that's really good. The, the, the pushes you're referring to like heated instinct, hypnotic buzz. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. That's good. Um, I, and commanding stride is another great one. I really liked, um, or I am enjoying outrun death. I mean, it's a really good card. We all know that. Um, but like membranous wings has been really nice too, just cause it's another way to get movement in without spectral wings. I feel like I have to take two cards now sometimes. Um, but I have the room because there's a, you know, less of a card pool. So that's been neat. I also feel like confusion is more relevant than it's perhaps been in a long time. Um, yeah, that's always been an interesting one. Like it's, it is situationally amazing. Like it does something that no, nothing else can do. Um, but I feel like it's always at the beginning of a season when the card pool is small enough that like maybe you can get confusion in there. Yeah. Also mighty swing. Love that card recently. <laughs> yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, what do you think is a card that maybe could be a candidate for the next far list? One that you maybe see too much or too strong. I mean, I, I have a perfect one. It's your favorite card of all time. Daylight what robbery. Oh yeah. I hate that card. <laughs> Um, I don't know why it's off the list. <laughs> they need to throw that back on immediately. <laughs> uh, it's it, it's so dumb. I was, I was you know one of our patrons Val. Uh, we were just talking about it, and I and I said like I just was like I don't know why daylight robbery is not there anymore. And then he's like, dude, I now understand why you hate that card. And it's just like rant. And I was like, yeah, man, it's it can like it can ruin your game on a fifty fifty. And the change uh, to the power step makes it even better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you don't even have the chance to play the upgrade anymore. <laughs> yeah. There's no counterplay now. It's just, do I roll a smash or not? Um, yeah. I think one is um, another one. I, I really do think partial resurrection is, is really, really good. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. And I don't think the war bands that it supports, even though it's a grand alliance card, um, need the help anyways like if this was like an order only card or a chaos only card i'd be like yeah okay sure you know and even then i think it could be a contention for restriction like if you could just bring like gar talk back or like rib tooth back like that's terrifying you know but the fact that i can just bring out my fully kitted champion or um the ever hanged back or varclav back like it's, it's 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 funny yeah, you're, yeah. you're bringing, bringing back a fighter that someone had to do a lot of work to get out. So mm-hmm. it's, it's tough. They might have yeah. upgrades and you're only going to play it before your activation. So like you're, ju- you're just going to play it and then charge. And if it's, yeah. if that's the last activation of the round, you might get to go first and charge again. Like, I don't know. There's just not a lot of counterplay to it really. Yeah. So, Imagine strong. like you kill the patrician and he just comes back. <laughs> oh gosh that's so funny um i just noticed your wedding ring by the way jonathan it's just like usually i never see you with any bling and then we have video on for those listening just so we can kind of make sure we're not talking over one another um i also feel like you know dual wits i'm kind of tired of that card what do you guys think that was what i was about to say yeah yeah with the change to the mulligan like you don't really need it but it's still good enough that you take it anyway yeah. Um I don't know. And there's other card draw cards in the game right now that you're just not going to take because Dilowitz is there. So Yeah. I always like I, to, I, I always want the powerful cards to go away so I have to make these choices between the interesting cards. 
It's a good point. Jason, it looked like you were going to say something. I have, I, some of the cards that I think that we'll see a lot of, and I don't necessarily think they'll be restricted. This one, I think, I personally think should be just because it goes back to the crown of avarice day, but Omega's offering to me, um, you know, just the way that, that you can kind of deny a glory to your opponent. Cause they're going to come in when they want to kill fighter X and you can protect them and get a glory for it. I think is a really strong card that, you know, could see a lot of play. And if we do, you know, it's, it's not as bad as what it used to be the way it is written, but it could, it could potentially be a problem. Like you, you put that on a fighter that you just have souped up and sitting in someone's territory. And it's like, okay, like you either kill him and I get a glory. So I cancel out the glory you're going to earn. Um, or next turn, I'm just going to come beat you up with that fighter. So. Can't seem to find Omega's offering in the, uh, the DB. It's uh, yeah. it's Arena Mortis two, and it's choose one friendly fighter and put one gl- gl- glory point on this card. After the chosen fighter is taken out of action by an enemy warband, you gain the glory on this card. This effect persists until the chosen fighter is taken out of action. Huh? It, it doesn't even look like it's on Underworld's DB. It. it I see it. And so, oh, if you search Omega, it has a it's apostrophe S. Uh, okay, I'll just keep looking. <laughs> um, I think I might disagree a little bit. Um, I think the fact that it's a gambit instead of an upgrade, like uh, Crown of Avarice was, makes it worse. I think that the, um, I think the fact that the opponent still gets their glory is a pretty big deal. It makes the kill a wash rather than like a actually just a plus one for you. Um, I think usually you still kill the fighter. But I guess maybe there's situations when you don't. Um, I'm still not sure it's worth a gambit just for one glory. But it might be. It, it, but it's more than one glory, right? Like I kind of see Jason's point here where it's like, it's a deterrent. Like, haha, I've created this awesome fighter that is going to ruin your day. And then... Oh, and you kill him, and I just net glory. Your 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 glory is you don't gain net glory unless it's yeah. a bigger fighter. I guess. And if you also have daylight robbery, then you have on average two more glory in your deck um, if they kill this fighter. Yeah. So I can and see it doesn't, that, but it doesn't even have to be a deterrent. Like maybe maybe you won boards and you're offset in the back, and you run a fighter in there, and that's the only fighter that they can interact with at this point. And it's like okay, like I ran in, I charged somebody, I got my glory, did my thing. You can give me another one and then you can start to snowball. Mm-hmm. And then it all, it also offsets the six wound fighter, right? Like you're giving up two glory for a six wound fighter. They've really had to work to kill that six wound fighter or seven wound fighter, whatever it may be. And now you get the, you know, one the glory. swing one. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. A little I can see how that like going to be a feel bad for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. That is interesting. Okay. Um that's definitely one to consider, uh, for sure. What um let's jump to upgrades, huh? Let's uh let's think about some of the upgrades that uh been seeing a lot lately. Um I guess what are some really popular cards that you think are, are good in this current meta? I like that we just skipped completely over gambit spells. <laughs> 
Yeah, what well, I mean that was even a thing right now. I, mean, I don't think so. If I go to Gambit spells and DB, they're like in, they're literally just faction spells. Like if I do the universal filter, yeah, I mean I guess there's hypnotic aspect is a good one, but um, I, I just feel like if you're not playing Cursebreakers, just kind of not a thing. Yeah, yeah. Hungry Bolt maybe no. Which one went away? That was really good. The one that did till damage to a quarry. Hunting Bolt. Hunting, yeah, hunting bolt, yeah. bolt. That was a good one. They don't make spells like they used to, man. I I think the, the rotation of Hunting Bolt was is big. Like I'd love to see a card like that because it just kind of propped up casting, right? Like that was like the one benefit of having a caster is I can do damage in the power step, but yeah. It's okay. That's fair. Yeah, we might see more of it, but yeah. Yeah, you never know when when they're going to decide to you know change things up. But uh. I think for upgrades, my controversial take would be I think they should restrict great strength and great fortitude because Oof, they're just really? the best. They're just the best at what they do, and they make more interesting versions of them end up getting restricted instead. Um, That's fair. But. Yeah, like like I do think Feral Symbiote is a better card than great strength from a design perspective. Right. Because there eventually is a negative. So it's savage strength because you lose yeah. that defense dice sometimes. I um, forgot that was in the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, great fortitude, I, like, like, I feel like right now there's too much damage in the game uh, for with great strength. So I think and great strength is the best damage card. So it would make the most sense to restrict that one. Uh, it doesn't seem like they would um, because I guess it's a core card or something. But they've restricted... Well, I guess Daylight Robbery was an Essentials pack and that was restricted, right? It was. I guess maybe it's not yeah. anymore for a reason, but... Um, but like, if there's too much health in the game, do we, do we say that we want Great Fortitude to stick around and hope that they restrict the one that gives you a guard token and you have to be in the enemy territory scavenge armor. Like that's true. I find scavenge armor more enjoyable. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I even, even impressive bulk is a more interesting card to me than great fortitude. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if like, if look, you're right in that, if all three are popular and in every deck, they're going to hit great fortitude last. It seems that way. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about that, Jason? I, uh, if it just feels, I mean, it is a hundred percent logical and I kind of agree with it. And I guess I just had never thought about hitting great strength, great fortitude before, but Jonathan's got a great point of there's really no downside to them. At least the other cards that are maybe a condition or something that there is a downside to, um, they've just been staples for so long. I guess I just didn't even think about them being an option, but yeah, I would, I'd rather see, great fortitude take a restricted slot over you know scavenge armor where you have to be across the board like i think yeah. in the last far list they hit sting of the urgrub and like like why <laughs> well i think that was like a also like a lowers damage b weakens avatar oh maybe yeah right but like they've also they hit like uh like um well, actually, that wouldn't make sense either because in Shadespire, there was another great strength. It was just like impressive strength or something. Yeah. Incredible strength. Yeah. Incredible, Incredible strength. strength yeah. 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 Um, that would make sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, but like, I guess if like if if uh, Great Strength and Glory Seeker were on the table, and you had to restrict one of them, which one would you restrict? Great Strength. Yeah, I would rather Great Strength be restricted because Glory Seeker is interesting because it, on the one hand it does work uh, with ranged attacks, which is kind of rare, and then on the other hand, it's situationally really annoying <laughs> against three wound fighters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that yeah. that is really interesting. Um, okay, well, those are some hot takes for sure. But I, I mean, I think we kind of agree with them. Um, what else? I mean, like, I think like Soul Tooth Dagger, maybe Silent Sword. I feel like those are all all over the place. Those are good. Yeah, they're yeah. good. They're good. I feel like we go through this every season, though, right? Where the like the weapons become like restricted at some point because they are just so good. Like, yeah. Um, the, effectively they're a plus one damage card or a plus one accuracy card when you use them in the right way. Um, that's true. And they stack with other plus one damage and other things, other cards. So this actually further proves my point as to why night Vault was the best season. <laughs> <laughs> you never saw any null stone weapons get restricted. Did you? No, no, nope. but it's more interesting to have these upgrades in the game than to have none of the null stone daggers or swords or, I don't even think there was a null stone dagger. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there had. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's funny. I what mean, a, all of this is just sort of why I think there might be too many cards in the game period, because there's really only so many different things you can do with cards. Like they're going to be like one of like, you know, eight different buckets, like defensive attack, damage, accuracy, mobility. And like, if you have, a thousand of a thousand cards a season, then there's going to be five health cards <laughs> or something like that. You know, that is a good point. Um, I just, cause I, cause at that point you, you either, as you mentioned, and as we've seen the cards get repeated in some way, shape or form, or they become so niche that you just don't use them like labyrinth, labyrinth boots or, <laughs> yeah. or whatever, yeah. like such an interesting concept no one will ever play that card and those who have tried have regretted it right <laughs> and it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like or even like um but then there are cards like like shark Sh- Sh- claws that yeah. like are pretty niche and then over time have gained popularity because they make you a cleave the hunter and cleave right um mm-hmm. or yeah, like well, guardian glaive and, and again looking back at the rivals conversation that's what makes me excited for that because if they make a rivals deck that is in general pretty decent, but has one or two really wild cards in there that you would never take on purpose, but the rest of the deck is fun. And then you have this labyrinth boots in there and you're like, all right, we're going to make it work. Like in one of 10 games, like it'll do something incredible. Yeah. It'll, that's that'll, true. that'll add to the experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then we have those cards that like stack this many upgrades and this is this much damage. Yeah. What's it called again? Savage, uh, Savage Soldier. Yeah, Savage yeah. Soldier. You like that one, Jason? I don't like any of the stack cards. Just because it, it's, <laughs> it's like I'm already getting my butt kicked. Like, All right, great. Now you got benefits for having more glory. This is fantastic. I mean, the only nice thing about them is there are, you know, you have Acidic Strike, which no one plays, mm. and it would have a niche if they are in play, but the, the stacking with benefits is tough so yeah i i tried to sit strike in my god sworn and because it, it effectively was like a trap 
Right. Yeah. That was fun, but it was very niche. It is. Very um, niche. I wish like Savage Soldier and like um, Deserve Confidence all that they didn't count as themselves. I think that would help go a long way to reducing their power level. But yeah, I've, at the risk of like going into, you know, what we don't like about this game, I think, you know, there are some really, we've highlighted some really strong cards, right? And, and these are all cards that I think competitive players are gravitating towards. And if you haven't gravita- gravitated towards some of these cards, I think you should, you should take a look at them. And, 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 and we believe that they'll make your decks better. I mean, they're pretty strong. Yeah. The fact that we think some of them should be restricted, um, given, you know, our opinions, is is pretty, pretty interesting. Um, Silent, Helm. There's some, Silent Helm is my favorite card right now. So it's a cool card. Love it's it. really good. Yeah. Love it. Um, yeah, Dominant Defender is another cool one. Uh, Silent Ring. Yeah, it's cool. Um, okay, well, uh, I think we've covered like what the meta looks like in a very uh, general sense. We've talked about some of the good cards in the meta. Um, what are some closing thoughts you have about you know the current state of Warhammer Underworlds, Harrowdeep? Like, you know, we talked about rivals. We talked about championship. Um, what do you what do you want to emphasize? Uh, for me, you know, I just want, I want to share one cool uh, interaction. My first game of Harrow Deep, where we set up the boards, we you know look at our object objectives like our, our feature tokens with the numbers, which was different, right? Like you get to look at them first. We place them all down there. We put down the gloom hexes. I draw my power cards and my my objective hand, and I look down back at the board and I go where the hell are the objectives at because they're all like <laughs> not face up. And I thought that was a cool interaction of just, you know, kind of being in that gloom and that harrow deep, like not knowing where things are. And yeah, that probably will never happen again because now I know to pay attention, but it was a cool, cool interaction, um, you know, for the, for the, for the day. So, um, and then just play rivals. Try it out. <laughs> <Give> it up. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a fun. That's a really funny story. I'm sure a lot of people actually can probably relate to that. Um, though at least their first time through. That's that's funny. Jonathan, what about you, man? Um. Yeah, I, I do agree with the gloom. There was I played one game so far where I almost moved on to a gloom, thinking it was an objective, and then I was gonna like try to delve it and then like win the tiebreaker or whatever but that fighter ended up dying but then i mentioned that like after the game and they were like oh but that's the decoy and we're like oh no (laughs) that would have been great (laughs) um so i do think that's pretty cool um in general i think so far i think this is a very i think i've had some concerns with the gloom and the illusions and things like that but so far i think that um it's better than I thought it was. Um, I think maybe, you know, we played this game for a long time. We like to nitpick every aspect of it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we're so competitive minded that we're, you know, sometimes we're quick to say like, yeah, that's bad. This is, you know, this card isn't good, that kind of thing. Um, but I think, you know, just playing rivals, just enjoying the new war bands, things like that, taking it kind of casually has really, um, sort of reminded me that, you know, the reason I play this game is that I enjoy playing the game. Uh, it's fun to think about the cards. It's fun to, you know, try to stop what your opponent might be trying to do and that kind of stuff. And it's not, it doesn't have to just be, you know, min maxing the championship deck and win, 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 you know? 
So yeah. there's other things to enjoy about it and, uh, you know, play with new people and, you know, get to see the people you haven't seen in a while with COVID and things. So um, I've just been enjoying it and uh, taking it, you know, relatively casually, but, uh, you know, I still care about it a lot and still enjoy it. So and, I just yeah, think I people think- have to give it a chance and, it's a it's a great point like enjoy the journey that is a new yeah. season right like there are a lot yeah. of little nuances in that the new rule book that i've seen veteran players make mistakes on like you know um you mentioned great gains right like primacy glory doesn't go towards great gains because it's at the end of the round not at the end of the, the beginning of the end phase right so getting those little nuances with the inspire step with the reaction windows uh, enjoy the journey and don't don't bring season four with you into Harrow Deep, right? Like mm-hmm. play Harrow Deep that. for what it is, and uh, yeah. you'll find it's a very enjoyable experience. Here, here, yeah, yeah. That, that actually segues perfectly into, into my my closing thoughts as well. Is that to me, this game feels like Underworld's second edition, um, and I, I'm really grateful for that because after four years of the same thing. Um, you know, yeah, lethals and primacy and stuff get added in, but it just it's just started to take a toll. Um, and it wasn't necessarily something that was like, oh, I don't enjoy this game anymore. It was more so like, I've been there. I've done that. I've done this. Every game kind of ends the same way. Like, we, we both know how this game is going to go. And you can very easily identify, like, when you're going to lose a game or when you win a game because of, like, a key moment. Um, and, and while that'll probably come back in Harrow Deep at some point, what I've found is that this brush of fresh air has been so refreshing just to read the rule book and talk about it and think about things that I've never thought about in this game. Like, you know, like, Oh, which one, like, like just the decoy example you mentioned earlier, right? Like if you lose track of that, that can really mess up your game. So it forces you to be better, but it also like, that's never, that's never something I've really had to think about. You know, I, I know lethals are lethals and objectives are objectives. Now they're now they're both, right? What's a, a future token is a future token. Um, or like the way that, um, you know, like inspires, you know, reactions happen in glory steps and mulligans and board trade, you know, trading off the board roll. Like it's awesome. And it just makes for a better experience. And I know that there are a lot of people, some of my friends especially, who think like the game is being dumbed down or simplified, but it's really not. Um it's just as nuanced and complicated just in a way in that you're not familiar with. And I know that change, um, you know, unless you love Zinch is like sometimes scary, but it, it really like there is no change if there is no change. Right. And so you have to just move on. And, and sometimes, yeah, you might realize that this game isn't for you anymore. And I respect that opinion. You know, you, you this is, you, you got to play games for fun. No one is playing underworlds or MCP or 40 K or, you know, whatever, because like, they just want like win everything. Like, that's, that's not why you play games. Anyways, you just play it for the experience and yeah, you can learn to like winning, but, um, I, I've just appreciated hair deep so much. Even it's only been like a month, not even right. And I look forward to seeing where, as journey, as Jason mentioned, the journey takes me, whether it's, you know, back to like hammering out competitive events all over the country, or is it just hanging out and playing, rivals in my local shop um but it definitely one thing is for sure is i want to play underworlds again and for a long time i was questioning whether i should or not um 
So for me, it's a great thing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, Jason, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. I know it was a little short notice, but um, I, you know, we miss seeing your face and talking to you and you've been as insightful as ever. So really appreciate you joining. Um, Do you have anything you'd like to share about, you know, the battle mallet or anything that you're working on in your community or in general? Yeah. Well, first off, thank you both for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here. It's, uh, you know, real fun to get on a podcast again. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really have anything majorly to plug. Like if you are in the local Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina area, the battle mallet does have a discord. Um, that's the battle battle mallet community now. So it's not focused on the podcast. It's focused on building the Raleigh community in any, um, any tabletop miniatures game. So, uh, look for us there. And then just plugging Discord in general, like, you know, your guys' Discord is great. There's a lot of conversation going on. Um, you know, the other, the uh, the Reddit Discord has always been been a, a great place to go and get uh, differences of opinion, but people having good conversation where other social media platforms for me of late have really focused on some things that I didn't like to focus on the discords have been refreshing and you get people sharing opinions and having conversations in a positive constructive way right on well dude thanks for that and and, and again thanks so much for joining we loved it and um i really hope you know the listeners enjoy this episode i think there's a lot of good stuff we talked about today so jonathan yeah jason thanks it was a lot of fun um i think that's going to be it for this episode if you're a patron supporter um thanks to our thanks for supporting us if you'd like to join our current patrons you can do so at patreon.com slash path to glory you can find all of our blog content on path to glory podcast.com if you have any feedback questions or comments let us know on facebook twitter or discord at path to glory podcast please rate and subscribe to the podcast on itunes spotify or wherever you listen as always thanks for listening and we wish you the best of luck on your path to glory I got to see Jonathan's flashy silent ring. It was awesome. Mm. Jonathan is actually a Crimson Cord member with the silent ring equipped. <laughs> he definitely sparkles. 